From the remnants of our evolutionary journey to the hidden secrets encoded in our DNA, vestigial tales offer a fascinating glimpse into the complex tapestry of genetic mutations. Welcome to episode 8 of the Mutation Station, where we will wag the tail, or perhaps even tailgate, lols on these mysterious appendages. I remember writing on my work Slack channel once how I would like a tail, but I envisioned like a fluffy squirrel-like tail that was pretty and I could wrap around me for warmth and use as a pillow. But my manager replied, and the reason he's my manager, he's a very smart man, was that a more utilitarian tail would be better, one that would grab things you could swing from. And then I was torn. Do I be irresistibly cute or be the world's first office Tarzan, a Tars office if you like? What tail would you prefer? You can reply in the episode. I'll put a little poll on. Vestigial tales are a captivating example of genetic remnants. They've withstood the test of time. They provide a glimpse into our evolutionary history and the fascinating interplay of genes that shape the diversity of life. These tales serve as a powerful reminder of our shared ancestry with other tailed creatures. They highlight the intricate dance between natural selection and adaptation that has shaped the development of species over millennia. Humans born with a tail-like structure can also be known as a caudal appendage. The tail, in this case, is not a functioning tail in the way many animals have, meaning it doesn't have muscles or bones that can be controlled voluntarily, but instead it's typically a protrusion of the coccyx, the tailbone, that is often associated with a skin-covered extension at the base of the spine. So no grabbing a glass with it, wagging a tail, or pickpocketing. Most vestigial tails contain no vertebrae, but rather are composed of soft tissue, fat, connective tissue, muscle, blood vessels, and nerves. They are most commonly removed soon after birth for cosmetic reasons. In rare cases, these tails can contain vertebrae and be an extension of the spine. In these instances, it's known as a true human tail. There are, of course, numerous folklore, mythological figures, and religious texts referring to humans with tail-like structures, but obviously they're not factual and typically carry more symbolic meanings. So it's in sparked the imagination of countless cultures and is everything that's wonderfully weird about our world. In Christian mythology, they tend to use ta- humans with tails as more satanic and other demons. They're depicted with tails, among other non-human characteristics. This was part of the medieval Christian symbolic representation of these entities as monstrous and inhuman. They are certainly not my thoughts. Fauns and satires. In Greek and Roman mythology, these creatures are half human and half goat, possessing the legs and tail of a goat and the torso and head of a human. For instance, Pan, the Greek god of the wild shepherds and flocks, was depicted as a fawn. Mermaids and mermen, these mythological creatures found in folklore across many cultures, are typically depicted as having the upper body of a human and the tail of a fish instead of legs. And look, I know what I'm actually speaking about is chimeras here, but in terms of um, depictions of humans with tails, this is how symbolically they were depicted. There aren't really any um, uh, actual mythologies about humans with, with tails, probably because they were hidden and not spoken about. But there's also the Monkey King, Sun Wukong, a figure featured in the classic Chinese novel Journey to the West. Sun Wukong, also known as the Monkey King, is depicted as a human with a tail but monkey-like qualities. Then there's Kitsune and Tanuki. In Japanese folklore, these are foxes and raccoon dogs, respectively. They can shapeshift into human forms and they retain their tails. 
But what about the cultural significances of a child born with a vestigial tail? Call the exorcist? No way, because in lots of cultures, the birth of a child with a tail-like structure was believed to carry divine or supernatural significance. It was sometimes interpreted as a sign of a special destiny or connection to the spiritual realm. And I know with all my other episodes, and if you've listened to all of them, you'd know it too, that that's, that's a a common theme is the divine and the supernatural and I think it's really important to note that because back in the day before um, advertising and and certainly before social media they these kind of mutations were revered they were special they were oddities so you didn't um, you didn't you weren't embarrassed by them you were proud of them it was it was a gift from God A child born with a tail was also considered a symbol of good luck or prosperity. It was believed that the child would bring blessings and abundance to the family or community, and I'm sure they would. Our very distant ancestors had tails. Humans belong to a group of animals known as vertebrates, which also include animals like mammals, birds, reptiles, and fish. Early in vertebrate evolution, a tail was a common feature. During human embryonic development, we even form a structure called the tail bud, which in many other animals develops into a fully formed functional tail. In humans, however, this structure normally recedes and is reabsorbed before birth, leaving only the tailbone or coccyx as a vestige of our tailed ancestors. The coccyx, while it does not function as a tail, is not entirely useless in humans. It serves as an attachment point for several muscles and ligaments involved in functions like sitting and walking. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever hurt your coccyx, OMG, it hurts like nothing else. One time, um, Xavier, my son, and his friend had jumped off a cliff into the ocean and they were like, come on, mom, jump off. It's you know, really great. Don't be lame. And I was like, I'll show you lame. But the cliff was about 15 meters high. It was pretty high. And I remember uh, pausing at the top going, no, I can't do this. But then I was peer pressured by like a crusty old sea dog who was like, come on, love, don't be lame. And um, so I, I felt the pressure and jumped off the cliff and landed in the water, but on my coccyx. And I could not sit down for months. Hurt like nothing else. So don't do that. Don't If people tell you to jump off a cliff, don't do that. The presence of a tail in embryonic development, as well as the existence of the coccyx, supports the theory of evolution by natural selection. It provides evidence of our common ancestry with other tailed vertebrates and is a classic example of what Charles Darwin referred to as vestigial body parts. The transition from tailed primates, like monkeys, to the tailless hominids likely began with the divergence of the hominid lineage from that of the old world monkeys, an event that is estimated to have occurred around 25 to 30 million years ago. Clearly, it did not happen overnight, but this physical change is often attributed to the shift in locomotion methods as our ancestors moved from a life in the trees to a life on the ground and began to walk upright. A tail became less necessary for balance and mobility. So our ancestors were swingers, but at some point left the trees for the birds. There are no documented historical figures known to have had vestigial tails. Medical records from the distant past are often incomplete, and it's worth noting that a vestigial tail in a historical figure may have been concealed or simply not recorded due to the stigma surrounding physical differences. As vestigial tails are typically removed soon after birth in modern times and historically were likely hidden or unrecorded, 
It's difficult to find any notable instances of this feature in historical figures. However, the singer Kesha, she of the party don't start till I walk in, has mentioned in interviews that she was born with a quarter inch tail. That was Kesha, by the way, not me. Uh, Her tail was removed at birth and in her own words, it was, quote, a tiny little tail about a quarter of an inch. Then they chopped it off and stole my tail. Clearly, she's still very bitter about that. Tales on humans have been a theme explored in various forms of media, including movies, literature, and even comics. Often these tales involve some element of fantasy, sci-fi, or magical realism. But in Shallow Howl, one of the characters, Walt, has a tale, and it was just uh, considered normal. I can't remember, though, in the movie if we saw it or not. Um, Maybe one of you can re-watch it and let me know. In the X-Men series, uh, both comics and movies, there's a character called Nightcrawler who has a prehensile, that's one that can grasp tail, as one of his mutant abilities. And the Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. In this classic piece of literature, the protagonist wakes up one morning to find himself transformed into a large insect-like creature with numerous physical changes. And I'm sorry to any Kafka fans, I found it so boring. Stab me in the eye. Avatar, the Navi, the extraterrestrial humanoid species that live on the moon Pandora, have long prehensile tails. In the Dragon Ball series, in this manga and anime series, Saiyans, an extraterrestrial warrior race, are born with monkey-like tails. And in Animorphs, the series features humans with the ability to transform into animals, but they can retain their animal characteristics, including tails, during their transformation back to human. Artworks from the medieval and renaissance periods often use symbolic elements to communicate ideas and narratives. Whilst there aren't really any works from these periods that depict humans with vestigial tales as a regular occurrence, such representations are common in depictions of devils, demons and other mythological or supernatural beings. Creatures from Greek and Roman mythology, such as satyrs and mermaids, were also often depicted with tales in art from this period. Uh, You would know from previous episodes that these are actually called chimeras. These figures could be seen in a variety of artworks ranging from grand paintings to small decorative motifs. However, there is a painting uh, called Dual Greet by Peter Bruegel the Elder. Uh, The painting is also known as Mad Meg. It's a very chaotic, busy, messy canvas. And it's a scene full of creatures. But amongst these creatures, if you look carefully, there are some humans shown with tails. Um, A lot of the creatures are chimeras and it's like they're transitioning. But if you look really carefully, they're actual humans with vestigial tails. Then there's uh, Mercury and Psyche by Lucas Cranach, the Elder. Now, Mercury, the planet, like in real life, has a celestial tail. So often Mercury, the Roman god, is portrayed with a celestial tail. And in this painting, he's carrying Psyche in his arms up into space. Um, and the celestial tail is is behind him. And it's also there to portray uh, the speed because Mercury is the god of speed. So the tail actually was a depiction of, of how fast he was going, which I think is a great thing. If you have a vestigial tail, you can align yourself to Mercury, the Roman god of speed. Just as animals with their tails navigate their environments, we too navigate the complexities of life, drawing on our individual strengths and experiences. 
Our uniqueness is a testament to the beauty of our existence and a reminder that we are part of a grand tapestry where each thread plays an essential role. In embracing our own uniqueness and appreciating the diversity of others, we can collectively create a more vibrant, inclusive and compassionate society. Remember, you are one of a kind, a remarkable combination of traits, talents and dreams. Embrace your uniqueness, wag your little tail for it is the very essence that makes you extraordinary because you are perfectly imperfect and mutant.